Irish Lullaby. Welcome, welcome everyone, one and all, to Tura Lura, the podcast where myself and Christian Dugstad are exploring folk songs. And what a folk song it is we have for you today. We're here on a lovely June morning and we're about to set up to get ready to talk about history. What's the crack, Christian? How's it going? What's the story? How are you over there in backing County Clare, I see? I'm in County Clare. I was in County Down for a little while there, but I'm back in Clare now. And as you can, I'm sure you can already tell, my internet is at half capacity. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> That's how it is in County Clare. No, things are fine. The sun is shining and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. We're talking about history, just like you said. Uh, we're going to say this uh, a bunch of times in the episode, but we are not historians. We are just... Uh, bullshitters and storytellers uh, but we we will attempt and it's not the first time but we will attempt to talk a bit about history and it's uh, emphasis on the word attempt yeah <laughs> it's it's hard when it comes to to irish uh, traditional music uh, especially in the realm of rebel songs and songs about rebellion and about history there's there's a lot of things you need to keep straight when you're talking about it but we'll, we'll do our best in fairness there's in fairness there's probably going to be a hell of a lot of incidences where we have to talk about this stuff anyway so it's going to come up again and again so we're just making sure that we space it out and that we know what we're talking about so that the real historians aren't writing in to Toralora podcast at gmail.com saying what the feck are you on about you know? <laughs> great way to mention the email address uh while you're at it email do you address. Do you wanna do you wanna plug our socials as well? If you do have any complaints or comments about our terrible historical facts, then write to us on as I said, touralurapodcast at gmail dot com. Two O's in Tura. Um, yep, that's the one. And how many O's in th- th- two in two. Lura as well? Two in Lura as well, yeah. Tura Lura. Yeah, like I said before, that's how you remember Tura Lura because there's two <laughs> O's. But um, yeah, so you can write to us there. You can find us on Instagram at Tura Lura Podcast, Facebook, Tura Lura. You'll find us everywhere, all of the good places and probably all of the bad as well. Well, not all of the bad. We'll say nothing about some of those places. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure we're not floating around the dark web. But in fairness, you'd never know these days. We don't spend much time there. I don't, at least. So, like, we could very well be there, for all I know. Um, yeah, yeah no, I can't uh, say I've gone <laughs> looking for us on it. Uh, as well uh, as that, you can, as always, write us a review uh, over there at Apple Podcast. But more importantly, if you want to be a part of this podcast, you could send us in a voice message. Uh, and the best way to do that. If you want to send in uh, a voicemail is to use the um, record app on your phone, whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone or or anything else, you should have a recording app and you can record a little piece of audio saying that we're absolute uh, feckers and bullshitters or that or legends. Or legends, and you can just export that and send it as an email to touralurapodcast at gmail.com. That would be great. That sounds good to me. I love voicemails. We love sitting there having a beer and laughing at all your voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. We take every voicemail very, very seriously and we have great crack and find them very interesting and it's a pleasure to hear them and we will be adding them to the show in the time to come. 
Absolutely. I like how you tried your hardest not to curse there. Yeah, and this is an explicit podcast. You can curse all you want in your <laughs> voicemails. As uh, our uh, good friend Kelly uh, proved when she sent in a voicemail that we played on our um, live drinking songs uh, sesh. And by, while talking about Kelly, I just want to mention that after our Lord of the Dance episode, she sent uh, us a DM on <laughs> on, on Instagram uh uh, saying that she uh, found the Norwegian expression uh, extremely fascinating and uh, hilarious uh, and it translates uh, to wood taste in the arse uh, roughly or directly and it's yeah. an exp- <laughs> it's an idiom yeah. in in Norwegian that that literally means like if if you've been sat on a hard wooden bench or in school for an exam or like in one spot for a very long time and you 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 can feel your body aching from the from the from the seat that you've been sat in that is what is uh, expressed <laughs> as uh, wood taste in the arse can't can't say we use that here <laughs> can't say we do but um yeah did you did i see that you found a song with the same title yes isn't that amazing? Ronny Pöbel, a Norwegian uh, punk artist, uh, has a song. I didn't know that. I just put it into Spotify and accidentally found this uh, punk song. So if you want to hear some Norwegian punk about wood taste in the arse, then uh, Google... I think it needs Spotify. to go into show notes. I think it maybe have to go in show notes, yeah. Yeah, I think it should. Um, yeah, so all you, all you worldwide fans of Norwegian punk... <laughs> you'll uh, you'll find an interesting song there apparently for sure have a yeah. look down below <laughs> I don't know Josh should we just get into it let's do it this is a very intense topic and an interesting one to talk about so we may as well just go for it Christian I think I'm going to have to ask if you would mind setting the scene I wouldn't mind at all in a green valley sits Michal and Sinead They've sat there many a time before. Actually, their love was born in this green valley. But now, it's about to end. I sat within a valley green. I sat there with my true love. My heart it strove to choose between the old love and the new love The old for her, the new that made me think of Ireland dearly And soft the winds blew down the glen and shook the golden barley However much Michal wanted to stay there with Sinead, he knew that he could not live with himself if he didn't do this. T'was hard the mournful words to frame to break the ties that bound us. But harder still to bear the shame of foreign chains around us. And so I said, the mountain glen I'll seek at morning early And join the brave you 
united men while soft wind shakes the barley. Broken hearted, tears running down his face, Michal was about to get up and leave his true love behind when something happened. It was sad I kissed away her tears, her arms around me clinging. When to my ears a fateful shot came out the wild wood ringing. The bullet pierced my true love's heart in life's young spring so early. And there upon my breast she died while soft winds shook the barley. Filled with anger, Michal went into the battle determined that Sinead's death would not be in vain and he fought for Ireland's freedom, a fight that is never over. It was blood for blood without remorse I took at all art hollow. I placed my true love's clay-cold corpse where mine may soon full follow. Around her grave I wandered rare noonday and morning early. With aching hearts whene'er I hear the soft wind shakes the barley. With aching hearts whene'er I hear the soft wind shakes the barley. Well, I enjoyed that immensely, I have to say. That song is written from the perspective of a poor young Wexford rebel who's about to sacrifice his relationship with his loved one, and he heads off into the cauldron of violence associated with the 1798 rebellion in Ireland. It's a very, very well-known old song, and it tells an amazing tale, and I know this story is very close to your heart, Christian. I, I've loved that song ever since I first heard it, and the funny thing is that it's it's about like you said the 1798 rebellion which i don't know too much about in all honesty i wish i knew more about it like there's it's one of the rebellions that's the most famous in ireland and i'm sure many people that are listening could actually chime in here and give a lot more information than i possibly could um it centers around a couple of different uh, battles including the battle of vinegar hill and a lot of it centered around wexford and the united irishmen and Theobald Wolfe Tone, and it was it was it's really interesting if you if you read up on it it's really really interesting time and um yeah I'm I'm curious I'm curious what you think of it like what what's the draw actually before we go any further what causes a young lad such as yourself from Norway you're not even like present in Ireland at the majority of the time but what has brought this deep deep interest of Irish patriotism to you and why is it in you it's a good question I I think that that most human beings that would read about Irish history and and the history of oppression in Ireland would be deeply moved it's just that it's not necessarily uh, common knowledge like when I started playing Irish music it, that was roughly like maybe 18 months before I, I first met you Josh and it wasn't like I was drawn to the music uh, by the history but as you immerse yourself in the culture it's it's hard not to to be interested in the lyrics that that you're actually singing and 
there's a mix of of loads of different things there. It's obviously the fact that I that I've spent much time uh, with yourself and with other Irish people. I've very much identified with that sort of traditional music uh, subculture uh, that is very much tied to like a bigger cultural identity that isn't just musical it's it's a part of its history and its language and at some point over the years playing music and singing songs uh, and talking to yourself and our mutual friends and going to Ireland and studying in Ireland and getting interested in Irish language Irish history like at some point there it's it kind of becomes it's like intangible package that you sort of identify with and it's it's very hard not to to get swallowed up by the whole feeling of wrongdoing so of course as we mentioned the song we were looking at tells the story of the 1798 rebellion in ireland and the song itself was written by a man called robert dwyer joyce in the 1800s it's not known the exact year that it was written but uh, Robert himself was a poet and professor of English literature, ironically, born in Limerick, Ireland. And um, yeah, it's it's an age-old story, but it's uh, one of the many, 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 many rebel songs that came... Well, would you even call it a rebel song? I suppose you would. It's one of the many stories of Irish oppression that comes forward in our song tradition. And as I said, there's thousands and thousands of songs that originated on this topic and there's so many more that are still being written and probably still to be written the wind that shakes the barley is is a fairly innocent song to sing in a way cuz cuz it's it's uh telling a story uh that's over 200 years old and it's it's more than anything it's it's, a, it's just a story about death and sadness and and, and misery and woe and starvation and hunger and all those lovely things that we find in most of our Irish songs. Yeah, absolutely. And, years ago, and even like even playing the foggy dew is is fairly harmless. Uh, in in terms of um, in terms of infuriating people, but there are songs like if you if you go things that have been written during the troubles. Um, there's there's a lot of that that you 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 should probably be careful where you play those songs the likes of Sam Missile and and even yeah. I've I've even gotten shit for for playing Back Home in Derry by by Bobby Sands uh so yeah. it's a, it's definitely a, a living tradition and not even just in in the trad world like you can you can look outside the trad world at the likes of of Irish language um rap group uh Kneecap and and they've been like they've been heavily uh, debated on on the BBC. Uh, they they played a show in in a club in in Belfast, I believe, where the Duke and Duchess of uh, well royalty visited the day after and the day before they were shouting Brits out uh, <laughs> on the stage. So so it's definitely a, a living tradition uh, that's not exclusively. Uh, tied to to traditional music and folk music, but obviously that is that is where it sort of originated. The War of Independence and the Civil War and 
anything from the 1900s onwards I think has a lot of songs but 1798 is one of the earlier ones that's more widely known and more li- widely written about and talked about I think because yeah. it was the one it was the one that really sparked everything in a sense and uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. you, actually, you um, actually explained you explained to me why because I knew that it did but it's a long time since I've been in school I haven't actually had the chance to read too much into it lately but what what's your understanding of the 1798 rebellion well if we're going to do just a short uh, history lesson here and and uh, we agreed that we're not going to go too far into it because we're not historians and people will be outraged if we <laughs> if we try to because we're gonna get even bad wrong. press is good press though <laughs> yeah that's true uh but but yeah like the late 1700s was uh a time for rebellion to put it mildly you have you have the french revolution uh, and you have uh, the American Revolution, the American Revolution being in 1776 and the French Revolution being in, Josh, 1789. Uh, hang on, Google. French <laughs> Revolution. Don't worry, folks, this is all going to be edited out by our wonderful editing engineer, Mr. Christian. The French Revolution was 1789 to 1799. Especially the French Revolution was an inspiration uh, to to the people of Ireland. Uh, but but the funny thing is that like very often when, like we talked about, the 1900s is often what is is talked about and 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 looked at when you're talking about the Irish Republican cause. But yeah, uh, the interesting in thing about this is none of that might have happened if it hadn't been for the late 1700s and the United Irishmen that were founded in part by Theobald Wolftone and others. He was the leader, I think, at the time of the United Irishmen going into the rebellion. It's it's a it's a great quote by by uh, Wolftone. Uh, that was, um, or not even a quote, but he claimed that uh, it would only be possible to overcome the country's problems if Catholic, Protestant and dissenter came together and Ireland broke the connection with England. Which is uh, uh, just a good lead up to say that that Wolf Tone was in fact uh, a Protestant. Yeah. And the epicenter of the 1798 rebellion uh, was in in the north and it was actually uh, not Catholics against Protestants but influential positions were only given to people the right kind of Protestant they they wouldn't be able to to Mm -hmm. get any any proper positions even though yeah It's really interesting and refreshing to think about and to know that back then, even then, that you didn't have to be a Catholic to be a supporter of the Irish cause. Like, it's really refreshing to know that there were all walks of people involved in this and trying to get it done. Uh, I, I wanted to mention a couple of things as well while we're on, on, the, on the 98 here. The Ulster Scots slang or or sort of title for the rebellion is actually the hurries for this rebellion or for every rebellion no the seven the the 98 really specifically the hurries loads of people dying 
fighting for freedom. And then when you name it, you name it as if it was a Teletubby. The hurries. You'll find a lot of those. Uh, I, I don't want to be saying things I shouldn't here. We we may have to edit this, but a lot. You'll find a lot of the names given to these things were given by the English to play them down. The Troubles were called the Troubles. They were, in fact, civil war, internment, and all-out war with England in the north of Ireland that caused devastation for so many people. But Maggie Thatcher refused to call it a war. She called it the Troubles. It's just like the Tommy Tiernan, I think, talked about it. He was like, oh yeah, sure, we have all-out war and civil war and madness going on in the north. And what did the Brits call it so that we don't think about it too much? A little bit of trouble. It could be it could be the same in terms of the hurries. Like it could be a method of playing it down so that others won't think about it too much or consider it as bad as it actually is. Yeah, I looked I looked the source up and it only took me to a, an Ulster Scots dictionary and it didn't it didn't say anything about the etymology of the word. It just said Ulster Scots word for the seventeen ninety eight rebellion. What's the significance of the places in this rebellion in 1798? Like, in terms of, there was a lot going on up north, and I know Wexford was the central kind of uh, place where it all went down. You're asking questions that we won't be able to to properly answer here, but um, definitely it, it was, like, it was the Presbyterian... Uh, the Presbyterians or Republican Presbyterians in the north, mainly in Antrim, that sort of uh, spurred the the rebellion. And then, uh, as far as I know, like Catholics, uh, um, kind of hinged on uh, when it went down, obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, so, so you have sort of hot spots going down from in the north and down the down the east coast of Ireland but do you think now sorry to butt in there but do you think that the American and French revolutions like played a big part in creating the United Irishmen like did they come together as an inspiration from the French and American revolutions with with the idea of freeing themselves from England because before that it didn't seem like a big priority to the Irish people Oh, and, I, and I'm wondering, since it was, like you said, a time of rebellion, is that what spurred them on? Is that what made people go, hang on a minute, they're not the only ones that are under foreign rule. Let's let's have a look at this. Let's do something about this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you also have to remember that, um, that well, France wasn't under foreign rule. They just, they, they were tired of... A tyrant king. A tyrant king and... And the Pope as well, uh, and and yeah. ironically enough, since this was Presbyterians that that rose up, they 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 weren't Catholic. They they what they were tired of was was not having the right to to position in society just for yeah. belonging to the wrong the wrong Protestant church. Folks, this is a very intense topic that we are discussing, and like we said before, we are not historians. This is all uh, very much a formal discussion and we're just exploring the themes around the song the wind that shakes the barley but if we <laughs> if we leave the 1798 uh <laughs> yeah yeah let's move on. here uh let's let's just go back to the song uh a little bit you you did some research josh and and you talked a little about a little bit about the title of the song yeah well the wind that shakes the barley is a really interesting concept that was 
on my mind and I was trying to figure out like why this is such an Irish saying and why Americans always think of the wind that shakes the barley and it's featured in movies, in songs, in tunes, which we'll discuss later. And I just wanted to check, like, what's the significance of the barley? Because I know that we grow barley in Ireland and it grows and we use it for all sorts of concoctions. And um, I found some interesting concoctions. I found some interesting stuff there. And um, there was a video put up by Moira Nishulivan on YouTube where she actually puts up a performance of the song. And she describes where the name of the song comes from. And she talks about the reference to barley deriving from the fact that the rebels used to carry barley oats in their pockets as provisions for when on the march. So this gave rise to the post-rebellion phenomenon of barley growing and marking the crappie holes. And the crappie holes were mass unmarked graves where slain rebels were thrown. So this um, in turn symbolised the regenerative nature of Irish resistance to British rule. So if you threw those rebels into a hole and then they used to throw barley seeds on top of them essentially and the barley would grow over the mass graves and that barley growing was a symbol of new soldiers coming along and the regenerative, like I said, nature of Irish resistance. So the Irish were still going strong. So that barley is a symbol of the unstoppable nature of the Irish rebel. And then you could harvest that barley and you could make beer and whiskey, which is gorgeous to think about. Which, which is unstoppable in itself. You're, you're sort of, you're drinking the soul, the soul, mind and body of... Irish rebels. Yeah, so folks, if you're drinking whiskey or any other barley-based drinks there, just know that you've got the heart and soul of Irish rebels actually flowing through that drink. When you drink that, you're drinking the heart of Ireland. <laughs> We're sounding a little bit like a Tullamore Dew commercial here. but <laughs> hey, You said the name, not me. If they want to come on and sponsor us, how's it going, lads? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have to be you, because alcohol alcohol sponsorships are highly illegal in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if anybody does want to sponsor the show, email us on. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. We'll gladly get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing, but uh, we have no illusions, not yet. But yeah, just like the name of it is interesting and. The whole concept of the barley is so, like, it it just describes Ireland perfectly when you know what it insinuated and what it meant and what it means in the song and in many other songs. And you, you can really, you can really hear that there's, he's a poet and uh, a scholar, the, the lad that wrote the song. Like, it's not the likes of uh, uh, going home, you British soldiers going home. Have you got no fucking homes of your own? Like it's it's we're we're talking we're talking proper. There's you're talking there's metaphors. L- you're talking yeah, layer upon layer. Yeah, onomatopoeia, little bit of everything going on there. He did his research. He knew what he was talking about. You know. Yeah, yeah. This but wasn't a lad sitting down to write a song and making it up as he goes along. <laughs> no, it's a great it's a great song. It's it's a fantastic song. There there's a host of different versions out there that you could check out. My my absolute favorite is Solace. 
uh, that was the first I ever heard and and definitely to this day my my absolute favorite but you have the likes of the Clancy brothers obviously since the song is from from the mid 1800s uh, we we don't have any any original version but but it's um been recorded by by loads of different different artists and so, the name itself is so poetic that it's been used in so many settings like um Sean Keating used it for a painting in 1941. There was a poem written by a woman called Catherine Tynan. It's the name of an Irish reel, which we'll explore in a minute. I want to talk <laughs> about that. Um, yeah, and it's it's in albums, it's in movies, it's in all sorts of things, like the movie, for example, by Ken Loach, which is something that I actually wanted to talk about because I find it really interesting that the song itself is so ahead of its time in the sense that it was written in the 1800s. But so much of what happened later is talked about and depicted in the song in terms of Irish history, if you get me. Yeah, absolutely. And and, um, and the movie yeah. that you're you're talking about is is to me the one of one of the great movies uh of about Irish Irish rebels. And it's not like the song itself is used much in in the movie. It's it's sung a few lines of uh, in the very beginning by by an, an older an older woman that l- loses her son. Uh, but but it's just like you're saying. I do think it, that the soul of the song lives through that whole movie, though the whole definitely vi- the whole vibe of what that's about is carrying on through the entire theme and through the entire theme of Irish history you're hearing it constantly it's there and that movie in particular like that movie starts around 1918 1919 doesn't it in the it starts in the heart of the Irish war for independence basically against England and it goes on to depict the civil war in a very local setting and it focuses on two brothers on opposing sides of the civil war and it's really interesting and really intense and sad but i just i love how a song about a time a couple of hundred years before that can be so relevant to that entire movie and the soul of that song can be felt throughout the whole movie if you get me definitely i wholeheartedly agree um in many ways like you could if you want to be if you want to be poetic about it you could say that uh, the wind that shakes the barley that wind that's maybe it's the spirit of Ireland or it's it's just it's the sound of freedom as in the song like as soft winds shake the barley with aching heart whene'er I hear the soft wind shakes the barley maybe, maybe it's the souls of all the all the dead rebels all everyone that has given their lives for for a free Ireland there's a good quote here that says as the barley will grow every year in the spring this is said to symbolise Irish resistance to British oppression and that Ireland will never yield and will always oppose British rule on the island. It's a fantastic title. It's a fantastically thought out title for the movie because it's set 150, 160 years after the things that happened in the song. But that's exactly what the song is talking about and what the barley is symbolising. It's Irish resistance that will never yield and keeps regenerating. So... We could be on the second or third generation since that song, but the same thing is still true. It's ringing yeah. out through through the ages. Oh yeah, yeah. So what's the story with Ken Loach, the director of this movie? Yeah, I just did a little bit of stalking since since we 
we were talking about the wind that shakes the barley um and uh and turns out that he was a bit of a socialist he he was involved in in the labor party he was involved in uh the socialist labor league later known as the w- workers revolutionary party uh, socialist workers party uh, an international marxist group so he he was definitely uh on on the left side of the political spectrum and i i did a bit of uh searching on his uh wikipedia page and it turns out that he uh, he has also made he's made a short documentary time to go that called for the British Army to, to 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 get the to get their troops out of Northern Ireland, which was broadcast <laughs> on in in the BBC uh, split screen series uh, wow. that was in eighty nine. So like not so Ken Loach was a bit of a player. Yeah. So he so he he was he was definitely by the looks of it he was he was on. Ireland's side like just from watching the wind that shakes the barley you could say like it's it's a good story so he, he could have just made that but but when you look at he, he's made the documentary he's made something else as well mm-hmm. uh, it's really historically informed like it's not just off the top of his head fiction like it's yeah. not like it's not like black 47 that was more like a Rambo based in famine times yeah it's it's interesting since we're talking about the wind that shakes the barley the song uh, the 1798 rebellion, uh, Protestants, Presbyterians, Catholics, uh, Republicanism across uh, different religious groups. And then we're talking about The Wind That Shakes the Barley, a movie about uh, the civil war and the war of independence in Ireland. And it's made by, by Ken Loach, uh, which is an Englishman from just outside of Birmingham. Uh, and you look at, like, he, he obviously... Uh, the the point my point being that things are obviously not as black and, and white as it's especially when you're dealing with folk songs it's it's very yeah. easy to to fall into that um the habit of looking at things very black and white cuz that's how you write many great songs there's so many layers to these songs and the music and the writers and the history itself that like even we don't understand like i rewatched that movie the wind that shakes the barley last night just to give myself a bit of preparation for this and the amount of things that i had forgotten or things that i hadn't understood the last time i studied that time in irish history and those topics i d- i didn't realize how much i didn't know if you know what i mean and that caused me to delve into another rabbit hole of reading and learning and I basically relearned the entire history of the Civil War in Ireland in 1922-23. And it was just, it was really interesting to me, but I was amazed at how much I didn't know and didn't understand. For example, I didn't realise that during the Civil War, the Free State Army was funded and given arms by the Brits. Which is which is really interesting. Like, they they formed a treaty, there was pro-treaty and there was anti-treaty, and the pro-treaty people didn't want war. And clearly England didn't want war either. But England weren't aware that there was an anti-treaty group that weren't agreeing with the treaty and they were going to try and recreate the war. So they funded the pro-treaty people to stop that from happening and that essentially caused the civil war. Like, I thought the civil war was 100% just a disagreement about the treaty. But it was very much a desire not to go to war 
as opposed to just a treaty. If you and know what I and mean. obviously, like by by <laughs> by having the pro treaty people win, uh, that meant the, the UK got to keep Ulster. Yeah, they got what they wanted, but that's why they funded it and played them off against each other. I suppose, like it was all a uh, a power play, really. Yeah, let's let them fight amongst themselves and see what happens. This song is about the seventeen ninety eight, but now we've talked a bit about but things in the 1900s as well. It's going to be very interesting to see what the next generation of rebel songs are going to be. I've already mentioned Kneecap, which I would highly recommend that people uh, check out. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big hip-hop uh, fan in general. I have my, I have my few rappers that I, I really enjoy and I really enjoy listening to Kneecap. They're of, of the people in Belfast that, that speak Irish on a daily basis, which, which probably, they probably don't have Irish-speaking parents. What do I know? But I, would, I wouldn't guess that they do. And, and it's fantastic to listen to. Obviously, it's not in the pure folk tradition. There's a lot about the baggies that are in tallow. And there's uh, a lot about uh, drugs and 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 Gardi and and uh, and parties and and that sort of stuff. But, but it's I'm a very refreshing thing to hear a Norwegian man speaking Irish. Toshigahalin, Sivanlume. Well, um, but but yeah, the next generation of folk musicians. What sort of rebel songs are they gonna? Are people today are they so woke that they they will refrain from creating new music about like cuz I hope not I hope that look at the conflicts that are going on uh, on on the islands today like look at Brexit look at the EU Do you find that there's less serious songs about political and historical things nowadays and it's becoming more satirical Oh yeah, definitely. You're you're making a, a a very good point there. It's become it's become a very satirical thing, like making fun of what's going on, as opposed to actually documenting it, which is strange and interesting. And in ways, it's probably not a good thing. But in other ways, like could you ever recreate the poetic ideology of the past and the things that happened in the past? Like look at Yeats, Romantic Ireland's dead and gone. It's with O'Leary in the grave. Is it actually dead and gone, or has it just evolved into something else? Good question. Uh, I I think that everyone, especially in in the folk music world, trad music world, will will always idealize the the past. Uh, even though the people <laughs> that wrote the songs that we look at as past and romantic, they they were written in some someone's own time do you think we just don't have poetic enough struggles to write about now because to me there's still so many struggles in the world i'm just curious like is the quality dropping (laughs) or are we just finding better things to write about what songs are going to emerge from the world as a result of the struggles of the era of the coronavirus (laughs) well Give us a verse there. Give us a verse of Shanos on the struggles of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I can 
vividly imagine like old oh, lads. On, I'm I'm serious. Give us a verse. Yeah, you know, I yeah, I'm I'm getting there. But I I just imagine <laughs> the setting, the setting in the pub during a singing session, and and the one lad reaches out his hand, and the other one. Uh, grasps it and and he's straight away going into oh there was a day back in 2020 when you could not hold my hand but now you can hold my hand and I will hold on forevermore. <laughs> this may need to be uh, a new segment. We, need, we may need to give a verse each week on some struggle that's happening in the world in the style of Shannon's. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. I hope it's okay that I did it in in English I <laughs> I don't know if I'd 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 have the words in Irish <laughs> there are plenty of Shano songs in English too yeah <laughs> Pe- people people would disagree with me there in based on the fact that I said Shano's August Toshifir Gamyuk Anomarka Dinahoron in San Shano's Trimelga Ocus Federlin Auron Yas Achana Trimelna Freshen isn't that right Christy did I just turn on Radio Nagueltach there. Bolo Yorev, August Falches, Ah, anyway, yeah, no, um, we we can safely say that The Wind That Shakes the Barley is a great song, can we not? It's fantastic. I just I just wanted to mention there, there's there's a little bit of a paragraph here. Um, there was a fantastic folk singer called Sarah Makem from the Makem family. And she put that song, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, on a recording in 1967. And she has sleeve notes to talk about the song. And I just wanted to give a little quote to them here, if that's okay. Because I found it really interesting. And it says, uh, Politically inspired songs may often be loudly called for in singing pubs, but at the fireside they are very seldom heard. Consequently, very few patriotic songs have found their way into the repertoire of Irish folk singers. In Gaelic-speaking Ireland, they're particularly rare. Which is actually true, before I continue, it's really interesting that there aren't as many politically inspired songs in the Irish language. Anyway, let's continue. Only a strong love story associated with the patriotic or rebellious sentiment will ensure for a song a permanent place in folk memory. The Wind That Shakes the Barley is just such a song. The words were written by Robert Dwyer Joyce, historian and poet, brother of P.W. Joyce, the famous Irish folk song collector. They have been published to another air in the Irish National Songbook by Alfred Percival Graves. In metre and tune, the present version is founded on The Maid That Sold Her Barley, a long-lived song already in print in 1700, in volume two of Wit and Mirth or Pills to Purge Melancholy. Oh, that is, that is just, that's goosebumpy to know that the tune actually existed when the rebellion took place as a different song. Another song to look up and study. Yeah. <laughs> the you, Maid you That Sold Her Barley. A long-lived song already in print in 1700. It's really, like, it's interesting. And that's another thing that happens quite a lot in folk music, like the the sharing and swap over and 
all of that of melodies and words and we, we discussed it before but that's you're, you're right the fact that the melody existed during the rebellion is really interesting imagine just, if someone had actually been pl- been playing it at the rebellion yeah you that that's something you only get with traditional music and folk music you 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 won't get that with your with your pop music and your and your hip hop and your electronic dance music there won't be any there won't be any talk about oh, no it's it's just that that is one of the things that just makes me love it that there's layer upon layer upon layer both like historically uh uh where the tunes came from and how they're handed down it's just amazing yeah it's it's ancient and brand new all at the same time um but based on that fact on the idea of crossover of tunes and words and lyrics and melodies and they always recur in different forms or different shapes. There's a tune called The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Oh, there certainly is. Would you say that it follows the same mood of this song and everything we've talked about? No. Why not? I would not. It It is one of the most comedically happy tunes that I know like, as a stand as a standalone tune it's a nice tune it's just it baffles me where they decided or why they decided to call it the wind that shakes the barley Wind that shakes the barley, dum deetle 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 dum diddly deetle da. Everybody's dead, Lovely. but sure it's grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's very hard <laughs> when you know the song. It's it's impossible not to think of of the of the song when you hear the tune. <laughs> yeah, like any time that I played the tune as a child, like I'm from Clare, west of Ireland. It was all tunes growing up, learning melodies, Irish jigs, reels, hornpipes, and what have you. And it was one of the early tunes that we would have learned, The Wind That Shakes the Barley. And until I had actually heard the song many years later, I was unaware that the song had a different melody or theme or anything. Like, I thought the song was words to the tune, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Honestly, I did. And yeah. vice, vice versa, probably, for a lot of people that would have grown up in the song tradition. They would have assumed, I'm sure, that the tune was the melody of the song. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. to a different to a different meter that suits dancing. But yeah, like I was I was really interested to find that there were two very, very contrasting things. And and, and I was I was curious I was curious why. Yeah. Like what what is the method behind naming these tunes? Like I've written tunes myself and I give them names based on specific things that happen or people or that kind of thing like i have a tune that i wrote called the needle in the apple because my grandfather one day was sewing his a hole in his trousers and instead of having a pin cushion for the needle he was keeping it in an apple and i thought it was really innovative and 
a fresh idea. So is is this where we slap in a shameless plug saying that the tune can be heard uh, at the tail end of uh, Bound for Caledonia on the Box the Gangs album West Towards oh, wow. Home? <laughs> I totally forgot about that, but yeah, album, album, album. We have an album. <laughs> And it can be heard on all the usual media platforms, isn't that right, Christian? Oh, it is very right. And we're yeah, the needle in the apple. So naming tunes as opposed to songs, like a song at least can bear a name based on the topic of the song. Or something yeah, but not, you're but making we... you're making a very interesting point here because usually, like to I I would say that most songwriters they try to sort of at least like match up uh, the the idea of the song, the lyric, uh, what they're trying to say with some sort of emotion in the melody. Well, as in, in, in Irish music, like we've, we've just talked about, there's a tradition of just taking a melody that already exists and, and writing different words on it. And, and then the, how does that work? Do you, uh, if you're writing a, a song about something sad do do you always go for a sad melody if if you're looking for all tunes i haven't you said like on several of your gigs uh in your long gigging life that this is another classic irish song with a happy melody and a sad lyric yeah it's a very typical thing for some reason that there would be very sad mel- melancholy lyrics and themes in irish songs but they would have very happy melodies and I don't know if that's like, for example, in America, the American Appalachian traditions and things, there were always very, very happy, upbeat melodies that became the bluegrass music of today so that the likes of the poor slaves and plantation workers could forget their sorrows by per- playing this music to perk themselves up. So like a very, very happy, fast, upbeat music with a very underlying kind of melancholy themes. And maybe it's something that's typical in Irish music too. Maybe that's why, because there was so much hardship in the history that we tried to perk ourselves up. We only had sad stories to tell, but let's tell them in a happy way. It's like <laughs> Pat Short. It's like Pat Short and John Kenny. Oh, they lived up in the mountains in the misery and the gout and the hunger and the woe and the misery and the starvation, but they were happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, like when whenever I'm sad or feeling blue, I I usually I usually uh, gravitate towards sad songs with sad melodies because I want to feel like I'm I'm in the company of something sad, something that understands my 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 sadness. I agree. Like you want to find something that suits where you're at at that particular moment in time. But if your whole life is shit, then obviously having some happy music <laughs> trying to <laughs> cheer you up might the, be good. The real running joke we have is like old Irish singing sessions with lads going, Oh, me cat is dead, me dog is dead, me mother's dead, me father's dead. I'm all alone, but sure it's grand. <laughs> I'm happy. Back to the wind that shakes the barley, the tune, yeah, and the naming of tunes. Yeah, um, in in the spirit of in the spirit of this, I know we asked you to sing once already here, but could you could you take maybe a few lyrics from the song "The Wind That Shakes the Barley" and maybe put them to the melody of the reel for us and see what kind of a feeling or a vibe we're getting from it? Yeah, let's let's see. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, 
While sad I kissed her way, her tears, my fond arms around her flinging. The foeman's shot burst down our ears from the wild wood ringing. A bullet pierced my true love's side in life's young spring so early. And so on my breast in blood she died while soft wind shook the barley. Oh, can you even imagine? <laughs> but this happens. This is what I'm trying to get at here. This is actually a thing that does happen in Irish songs and music. Jesus, especially the second, the B part of the tune. A bullet pierced my true. A bullet pierced my true love's heart. Dum Another great one for that that me and our friend Brian Corey used to play at gigs was an old Dublin song called Wheel You Wheel You All Ya, which is a absolutely horrendous song in terms of the story and what happens. Um, I won't get into it, but there's murder and there's death and there's all sorts of things going on. <laughs> and the melody is... Uh, like, could you imagine that? Like, la la la, everybody's dead. Will you, will you? Jesus. No, it's 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 one of the stranger. I wouldn't even call it a tradition, but one. It's it's just something that happens. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It keeps yeah. us amused. It keeps people dancing. Maybe that's another thing. Maybe it was to go alongside the dancing like the tunes themselves were or something like that. I don't know. But you could have dances to tunes in minor keys. Yeah. <laughs> Had you something else to say about the naming of trad tunes? No. Um, um, you, well, I was listening to an episode of uh, The Big Rab Show Um a fairly well-known uh, podcast in the in the bagpiping world, if you may, uh, and and he was he was talking to he had an interview with Fred Morrison uh, recently. Um, Fred Morrison being a famous bagpiper, uh, like a proper Da Vinci of of pipes, because uh, he he's, he plays he plays real pipes and and small pipes highland pipes illum pipes he has his his own signature set of of all of those made by McCallum in in Scotland but whatever he he said when he uh, when he he's a very prolific tune writer and he said usually sometimes a tune just comes to him and and then there's there's sort of an idea. Uh, attached to it uh, and sometimes when he just writes a tune and then names it afterwards he sort of tries to uh, this is all fairly obvious but but yeah he tries to just feel the emotions in the tune and see if if there's a particular person he's thinking of as like there's loads of tunes just called Mary Ann's and Cooley's and yeah. and Christy Barry's and and etc or if if there's if there's a specific i don't know like situation or yeah it's worth sometimes just to explore that idea maybe listening to a tune before you know what it's called and thinking about like you said the themes that you're hearing or how you're feeling when you listen to it and maybe giving it a name based on that and to and then find out what the real name is and see how different it is from what you were thinking 
Yeah, yeah. I'd, like, obviously, that wouldn't apply to tunes that are named after people like Joe Cooley's or Martin Wins and all that kind of stuff because those are usually named after the composer or a person who played it prolifically or stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, the, when there's a name of a person on a tune, it's very much based on the person who played it or the person who wrote it. But um, other but, than but, that... But very often, I, it looks to me like today uh, that there's there's quite a lot of of uh, younger composers writing tunes, uh, like in in for the purpose of honouring them, and then you you can you can start to to look into like if if someone if someone wrote a tune called uh, for Josh, uh, and then they write like a super sad. Uh, <laughs> super sad air like what what do they actually think of you what wh- why why is th- <laughs> or, or are they are they even thinking of me at all or is it just whatever inspiration comes in the moment you know yeah exactly it's crazy i like shout out there to a man called mr colin farrell fantastic musician who's over there in orlando fiddle player whistle player extraordinaire and he's just completed a challenge in 2020 where he uploaded a video every single day of an originally composed tune. He wrote a tune every day in 2020 and performed it with musicians like from all over. And every one of them was absolutely fantastic. And it's a serious achievement. Just if anyone wants to check Jesus. that out, it's on his Facebook. 365 days, tune a day. Com- self-composed tune a day. Jesus. But his, <laughs> tunes are so, his tunes are some of my favourite newly composed tunes. Colin Farrell has deadly tunes. Brilliant class. No, I am. Um, I f- I feel pretty much empty when it comes to the wind that shakes the barley at this point. Uh, yeah, we've probably said all there is to say, haven't we? Is there? Is it my outro or your outro? How how are we doing that? I don't mind. Do you want to do it? Go for it. Because I did the intro. So yeah. And on that note, uh, I think it's a, a good time to 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 round up and round off and and sign out here from uh, from Turalura. You can you can obviously check us out on all social media platforms. Uh, you can email us if you have any comments. Uh, you can definitely we we really really uh, uh, encourage you to check out. Uh, the wind that shakes the barley uh, there's there's a few versions linked in the show notes and um, any any final remarks or thoughts Josh Toraloralu <laughs> <laughs> I don't know sorry no, um, you caught me by surprise there um, final remarks yeah I would say check out There's there's so many fantastic versions of this song like some notable ones that maybe mightn't have been mentioned there were Martin Carty in 1965, all the real old style ones, you know, Steel Eye Span in the 60s as well, or 70s maybe. They had a, a couple of tunes called The Wind That Shakes the Barley, Pigeon on the Gate and all of that, but they're one of my absolute favourite versions is your version, Christian, which you can hear if you rewind to the start of this podcast. And... Uh, the the last one to give a mention to is the woman that I looked up who is Maureenis Hulavon and that's there on YouTube and it's quite a popular version on YouTube if anyone wants to check it out it's The Wind That Shakes the Barley Maureenis Hulavon and it has over 200,000 views there 
and she tells the story of the song in the little blurb there underneath it too. Really Fantastic. nice version to check out. That's that's definitely a good shout and some some good reading material. If you if you don't feel like you've already have exhausted your patience with the wind that shakes the barley. So folks, that drives us towards the end of today's episode. And what an episode it was for us. I don't know about for ye, but we found it interesting anyway. And it's a pleasure to be here talking about history with ye. And now we're gonna drive on and we're gonna do a little bit of housekeeping before we say goodbye. Yeah. As we always do, um, you obviously you've already heard this. If if you've listened all the way through the podcast, you know that in the beginning we we always mention our email and we repeat it at the end, so it's the last thing you hear. So you can go straight away from listening to this podcast and send us in an email to Tura Podcast at gmail And there are two O's in in Tura, and uh, the other one is. Lura 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 Two O's in Tura You could even send us an email While listening to the podcast If you have a second screen Or device And if you don't have a second device What are you doing lads Get out there and get one Because the world has become content (laughs) And you need to Stay ahead of the curve In In like in this modern world you don't really need a second device You can just start the podcast And then go Like away from the podcast app Into the Email app And uh, send us in an email true but then then the tech companies are down money you see i actually right now while i'm recording have three devices on the go and that's just the way it works that's that's true and as well if you want to um do what we asked you to in the beginning and send us a voicemail it's hard to do that while <laughs> listening to the podcast so you can always pause the podcast or you can find a second device and you can record us uh, a little clip of you uh, saying that we're absolute bullshitters or absolute legends or anything in between or ideas or thoughts or there are no limits and just export that file from your record app uh, in on your phone or on your computer and send it in to Turalura podcast share by email that's usually the way you do that isn't it you click share yeah and yeah. then you click email yeah and then it goes it goes straight to Christian and Josh Funkel <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. And uh yeah, if you want to bullshit us for a while, we'd we'd be happy to be bullshitted. Absolutely. And it just makes our job easier when you can do the That's talking. It makes for the us. world go around. Yeah. Exactly. And then obviously if you if you want to share the episode or um, share your thoughts or like anything what you're doing while you're listening to it you can you can always post uh, something on Instagram stories or you can send us a little message on uh, Facebook or a DM on Instagram we're we're all all yours. Absolutely. And I've noticed as well that if you are not able to give a review on Apple Podcasts it is also possible to review us on Podcatcher. Fantastic. And that will apply to all the other streaming sites. So if you want to send us a review on Podcatcher, folks, if you're not aficionados of Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, I apologize, then Podcatcher is the way to go. We are on Podcatcher, Christian. Did you know that? I had no idea. We're everywhere. We're all around the world. <laughs> all around the world. Yeah. International Sorry, media. I don't have a voice right now. It's quite early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic world we live in, even though we're all still kind of locked in. Uh, we can we mm-hmm. can do this. 
we can do this thing where you're in County Clare and I'm in Oslo and we are talking to the world and uh, <laughs> people over there in America well. and and down the continent are are listening to us. That's fantastic. I can't believe it. Yep. It's amazing. And when it comes to the pandemic, as Bo Burnham says, it'll stop any day now. <laughs> Hopefully. Fingers crossed and <laughs> knock on wood and all of that. I have nothing more to say, Josh. Do you? Neither do I, Christian. Thank you for today. Thank you for today. No hassle. Tura Lura. Tura Lura. Tura Lura.